This is Tell Me What to Read, the podcast from booktopia.com.au. I'm Mark Harding, and today I am chatting with some of my fellow Booktopians about the books they're reading. Welcome to Joe Lewin, Joel Naum, and Zia Caruz. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mark. Uh, let's start with you today, Joe. Uh, what are you reading, and what are you liking about it? Uh, I just finished. Uh, look, I'm going to start by saying that I appear to. I appear to want to torture myself at the moment. I just finished reading a 600-page book, and I've just started reading a 700-page book. Oh my um, God. I didn't plan it that way. It's just the way it, it turned out um, that I, I seem to have read all of the skinny books on my on my bedside table, and it's only the big fat ones to go. So I just finished reading um, the the Lincoln Highway by Amor Tales. Um, so his uh, Previous book, A Gentleman in Moscow, was wildly popular and I was a little bit late to the party on that one um, and absolutely adored it. It's all about um, an ageing gentleman who is in reduced circumstances in Russia and uh, moves into a hotel where he then spends, you know, several decades and gets to know all the ins and outs of um, the people that live in the hotel and all of the history that passes through the hotel in that time. Um, the Lincoln Highway is really different, really different. It's set in America. It's a road novel. Um, and I don't know. I think I've heard, I've heard some people kind of panning it. I actually, I actually found it really fun. Um, it's very kind of like, it's like Steinbeck light, right? If you, if you want to read John Steinbeck, but it's just a bit depressing for you. Um, the Lincoln Highway has got all of those, um, you know, elements of like down and out folks in uh, 1930s Midwestern America um, on the road, traveling around, running from the law, getting up to mischief. Um, the adjective rollicking could be applied. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, how else can I describe it? Has anyone else here read that? Read this one or A Gentleman I in Moscow? We, um, Ben did a, a podcast with Amortel's um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month back, and it was a really good conversation. He's a super interesting um, guy. But um, what, you mentioned that it's quite different to A Gentleman in Moscow. I, I've not read either of them. Um, what, what would you say the main difference is be, between the two books? Um, I guess because A Gentleman in Moscow is about a gentleman, right? He's quite... Um, He's quite a refined chap, um, and the the boys in um, in the Lincoln Highway are not refined. So I think that um, the tone is very different, right? Even though they're both historical novels, um, they're both about um, masculinity in some ways. Uh, but really, a gentleman in Moscow is about you know, kind of aging and loneliness and living through history. Whereas the Lincoln, the Lincoln Highway is all about um, coming of age, finding a place in the world, um, very different age groups of the, the men that it describes and um, yeah. The debauchery of youth. Yeah, look, it's only a little bit of light debauchery, I've got to say. Oh, As I say, Steinbeck light, Kerouac light. Uh, a lot less uh, misogyny and um, a lot less depressing than either of those other authors. But yeah, a, a really, a really enjoyable read. I, I powered through all 600 pages and couldn't wait to, um, to get back to it. 
So it was, was, was it one of those books that is 600 pages quite substantial, but you didn't feel like it? Like it's not, you didn't feel like you were reading Tolstoy? Yeah, or no, Tolstoy? totally. Totally. Right. It, it looks impressive to read on the bus or in the park. Everyone thinks you're really smart. Um, but actually, it just, it just, it just flies. Awesome. And, and so what's the, uh, what's the 700 page novel? I'm curious now. Yeah, so I finished that. Um, that just flew and I went, oh, 600 pages. That's nothing. I'm going to read 700 pages. And um, the 700 page novel is uh, one that comes out in January next year. It's very hotly anticipated and it's, um, it's by Hanya Yanagihara. Uh, it's the follow-up to the beloved novel, her beloved novel from 2015, A Little Life, um, and it's called To Paradise. Um, I started the book with a certain degree of trepidation. Um, I think in the way that I always do when, when I've read a, one book by an author, and to put it into perspective, A Little Life is one of my favourite books ever. I've only read one book by her. And then this is the next book. It's been six years since um, she last released something. And so, you know, you, you're quite nervous. Um, and all, all I knew about the book before starting is that it's set in three time periods. It's set in 1893, 1993 in the middle of AIDS era New York, and 2093. Now, Joel wow. and Mark, I know that you like a little bit of speculative fiction. Um, yeah. I, that's, it, that's not my bag. And that is, could not be further from the subject material of A Little Life. And so it really worried me when I heard that there was going to be a futuristic element to this book. Um, I feel like that's not on brand for her at all. And I, I have expectations. Um, I've started reading it. The bit that I'm re reading right now, I'm only about 100 pages in, um, it's the 1893 New York, uh, and it is an alternate universe. So, ah. but it's very... What, what, what makes it an alternate universe? What's different in this one? In this universe, and I won't tell you everything about it, because even just in the first 100 pages, you start reading it and you think this is just New York. A, a gentleman living in Washington Square in New York in 1893. And as you go, you realise that this New York is very different to the New York um, that we know from history. Um, the first clue is when the protagonist, uh, David Bingham, he comes home to his house that he shares with his wealthy grandfather and his two siblings, his sister and brother, are coming over for dinner. His uh, brother is bringing his husband and his sister is bringing his wife. So you go, okay, well, this is not how 1893 was when I watched Gangs of New York, right? Like, uh, yeah. um, you know that something's very different, that um, the, the acceptance of, um, of different sexual preferences is, is wildly different to how New York was in history and even how New York is now. So I won't tell you about any more of the differences because, as I say, it unfolds very slowly and it starts to give you clues that um, of the, th the things that are different to what we really know. So I'm really fascinated. I'm really interested to see, is the 1993 fiction going to be 
1993 as we knew it, or is it going to be 1993, 100 years on from this alternate universe, 1993, 1893, which I, I suspect it will be. And imagine what AIDS era New York would be like without homophobia, right? Like that would yeah. be a very different conversation around the AIDS epidemic um, without all of that, um, that horrible blame and, and pure fear of difference that, um, that drove that time. So in her, in her true to her style, um, the way she writes character. So a little life is all about character. A little life is just four guys in New York, um, present day, uh, falling in and out of friendship and love with each other. And you learn through the novel about their, um, you know, their psychologies and why they are the way they are. There's not, you know, it's not, it's not a big sweeping saga like this. It's all about um, emotional fam character. Famously about, famously makes people bore with tears at the end, right? Absolutely. All, all the way through, all the way through, uh, because there is one through. character in particular that is just tragic the, the whole way through. He has a tragic upbringing. He has a tragic adult life and he can never move on from, from the tragedy of his life. Um, and it's just heart wrenching, right? So this is, this has got the potential to do that, right? It's got the, you, you, the way you, the way you start to learn about this main character, David, um, and his feelings and his insecurities, you can see that we're building. So, um, I, I hope that it's not going to, I'm a massive fan. I hope it's not going to disappoint me. I don't think so far it is going to. I think it's it's really interesting and different, but still has the best things about Hanya that we love. It's, it's so interesting. I'm so much, from what you've told me so far, I find this premise so much more appealing than A Little Life, which I heard about. Lots of people that I love and respect read and loved it, but I never read it because I just thought, that's not my bag. That's just going to depress me. But this sounds... Yeah. But it's, it totally sounds like a Joel book, right? Yeah. Like, Joel, yeah. you, and, you and Mark are all about the alternate universes. If I hear, oh, there's an alternate universe in it, no, thank you very much. That's not for me. <clears throat> yeah, alternate universes, uh, alternate history is hard to write at the best of times. And doing a, a 2093 that's potentially based on an alternate history, that would be really difficult to pull off. And I'm actually really excited to read that now. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, well, look... Um, coming January 2022. So for our listeners, there's a, a little bit of a wait. Um, hopefully, um, you know, maybe by the time I come around in this podcast again, I might have finished all 700 pages and I'll be able to tell you a little bit more. But I really, it's, it's one of those books I'm quite glad that I don't know much more than I do. Excellent. Well, there you go, everybody. Add it to your wish list uh, on yeah. utopia.com.au. Get ready for January. Sounds like a great holiday read. Uh, thanks for that, Joe. Uh, moving on to uh, Joel. What are you reading and what are you enjoying? So the first book is uh, something I'm re I really loved, but I should admit upfront that it's a bit of a log roll because um, it's it was published by my partner, who is a publisher. <laughs> but I should also say that I very rarely read her books because... <laughs> You're a terrible when partner. I, partner because not supportive. Well, because when I do, it's just that it puts the pressure on it, right? I don't always, if I do that and then I don't like it, then I have to pretend I liked it if I'm going to be 
a good person. Uh, it just makes her upset. And she puts so much more into it than I do by reading it. So it's like, <laughs> it's not really, uh, so, but the last book, uh, you know, one of the ones before this one that I read uh, and loved was, uh, was the first Devlin McTiernan book, um, which she also published. And I, and I adored that. And so when she got the level of, when she was hyping this book at that level, I was thinking, all right, this one I'm going to have to read at some point. <laughs> and I really, really love it. It's great fun. So I should point out, it's commercial fiction. It's not uh, high literary, um, but it is really, really fun. So it's by uh, Sarah Foster, who is uh, mostly known as a thriller and psychological thriller writer in the, in the past. But this book is quite different to the other stuff she's done. Um, the basic premise, uh, it's set in near future Britain. And it's got like elements of children of men and elements of the handmaid's tale in the sense that it's a it's about the uh, fertility crisis. And what specifically is happening is that um, women are giving birth to babies who are otherwise completely healthy and they're stillborn. And no one knows what's causing it and the number of stillbirths are, are rising. And then the country is freaking out. And it's set not that far in the future, several years in the future from now, but not like 50, 20 years. It's only about 10 years, I think. So it's post-pandemic. And it, it's the first novel I've read that is imagining what our culture will be like when the pandemic is in the, is in the rearview mirror. So there's this sort of high level of, of uh, monitoring that happens by, by the government. They, everyone has these um, like uh, watches that, that they are expected to wear all the time that, that track them. And I think until the, point, until the point that this fertility crisis happened, people didn't think about it much as you can imagine, that's because they weren't really using it to track or, you know, stop people's movement except to help with pandemic stuff. Uh, so people just appreciated it. And now, and now that, uh, you know, they're starting to track women and whether or not they are getting pregnant and they have to report any sales of pregnancy tests and women are being tracked, uh, it becomes this much more scary thing. So it follows three storylines, um, three generations of women, um, the main character, the main two characters, I would say, are mother-daughter. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything about their story so much, except, uh, so the mother is a midwife and the daughter is about 17, 18, I think. Uh, and um, she, at the, in the opening chapter, suspects that she might be pregnant. So it, it kicks off this, like, thriller, basically, where you're trying to, and I know I've just given you all this world building stuff and it makes it sound like it's much more speculative fiction than it, than it actually is. Most of it is just about characters and plot. And what is actually happening is this, is this thrill ride through, um, you know, this sort of semi post-apocalyptic Britain that is, that is, uh, you know, with the government after, you know, shady government elements after, after the main characters. And it's great. And, and partway through the book, the third generation of, of woman comes into it. And she's this, she's a grandmother, but she's also, um, essentially, she's Jermaine Greer. And <laughs> <laughs> by another name. And it's just so good. <laughs> like, it's so much fun to have that character in the mix of this type of story. Uh, it's like, she's, she's like, and she's, She's today's Jermaine Greer, not like Jermaine Greer from like so problematic, but sort of lovable in a very particular way, and just really, really fascinating. Just it, it's just 
I I don't want to give too much away because I think there's a lot of stuff in it that's really interesting. But if you like thrillers, if you like the spec fit component, if you like um, uh, any of those, if any of that, what I've said appeals, I think you would really, really enjoy such an easy book to read. And the characters are genuinely compelling and interesting. Um, I really, I really loved it. But um, um, it, uh, I was going to ask, it sounds like she, um, it sounds like so uh, timely. Uh, do you know how, when she, when she wrote it? Is it, she's, been, it quick? she's apparently been working on this book for like a decade. So the, I imagine that post pandemic stuff has come into it more recently in the rewrites. Yeah. Um, I don't know, uh, but I, I would assume, I know she's been working on it for a long time it, because it doesn't fit with her other books as neatly. I think she struggled. I think she would have struggled to get it published, even though it's great. And I think it, you know, she's changed publishers to go to HarperCollins with this book. And I think that's why, why this one has finally gone published and it's so great also the cover is amazing it says nesting nesting dolls Matryoshka dolls it's really cool um it's great great book really really love it um, um did you did you mention the title at the beginning i i think we might have missed it oh it, i can't believe i didn't mention the title at the beginning the book uh it's called the hush yeah uh, um and the only trigger warning there, I guess, is the fact that there are still stillbirths in it, right? So if you've mm -hmm. had any kind of experience like that, but I, I don't think it's not a huge part of it, right? It's it's happening, but it's not like really graphic or anything. So I think that part of it is is not as big a deal. Um, but yeah, loved loved it. That's great. Thanks, Joel. Uh, what's the other book that you're reading? So the other book I've only just started, and I know that um, Joe has read this book. I believe you read this book, Crossroads by Jonathan Franzen. You have read it, haven't you, Joe? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, how I've, many I've, pages does that one have? Quite a few. Yeah, I don't know. How, how, I, I don't have a fit, like I'm not reading it. I'm reading a digital copy of it. So I think, but I think it's about 600 pages. Yeah, no, I've, I've got it right next to me. Um, have, you, have you finished it yet, Mark? You were starting it, weren't you? Yeah, it's uh, 500 and, hang on, I'm just looking at my copy here, 580 Oh, that's pages. a snack, you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, I, could, I, could, um, I, I could sing the praises of this book for ages, and I wasn't expecting to do that when I picked it up, because um, mm. I've never really been a huge, the hugest Franzen fan, but I loved it. Um, I'm very curious to hear what you think, Joel. Well, I'm I'm so early in it; it's hard to know. But uh, but the my background with Jonathan Franzen is that I absolutely loved the corrections when I read it, you know, a decade ago, whenever it came out. And then every, I I read I think I read Freedom and maybe the one after that, but I I didn't like them anywhere near as much. And was sort of reading them out of some sort of I'm in the publishing industry; I should read these books <laughs> sort of feeling to it. And I think that's I wouldn't have read this book if it wasn't for the fact that. So many people that I know who either have never read of Jonathan Franzen or haven't read one for a long time have read this book and really, really liked it. And I just think I've got to give it a go. And so far, I'm like, I don't know, less than, I'm less than 100 pages. I'm 50 pages in or something. And it's just really funny. And it seems to capture that feeling I had with the corrections, this sort of arch, sort of observant eye. He's always had that, but I feel like he meandered around in this world that he didn't much like and he was quite angry for a long time after the corrections that's that's the sense i got from jonathan franzen yeah it's it's um, funny but it's not like haha -ha funny no 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 but it's, it's, like it's, it's satirical funny. it's satirical just like, funny yeah it's just like that's so funny 
sort of observational funny where you're like, oh, I know that type of person, that type yes. of person. Uh, that's what I mean by, yeah, it's not ha-ha funny. Uh, but uh, it's also it's it's also as you get on and as you start to get to know those characters a bit better, um, really touching as well because they mm. are um, archetypes and you do recognise you know recognise their types, but it you you get to know them so much more personally as the book goes on. Yeah, which I. I think he did in the corrections too really really well he had these people who are almost caricatures at the beginning of the book and then by the end you feel like they're real people he's taken this this type and turned it into a person and i i, I gather this is part of the first book in the sort of trilogy of books about this family and the book it's, it's set in the 70s i think <laughs> and i and i believe the next one is going to be set in the 90s um i so, didn't know that there's more coming yeah so the same around. family He's going ah. to cover them through through the through the years, um, so I I, th I find that concept quite fascinating. Not that I've finished the book, so I don't know what ends, but I, I'm curious to see what he does with that. I think I'm really glad he's found this family to talk about because I think it's where he's at his best. You know, Midwestern, like normal people. You know, supposedly normal people, and then telling yeah. the stories of what they're really like. Um, yeah, he's not. I, he's I, not like. Yeah, he gets compared to like. American literary giants, like, you know, like people like Don Updike and that type of person, uh, Don DeLillo and that, that, you know, that type of author. But I, I always felt like he's just a little bit more of a, you know, close observational domestic storyteller. Yeah, and he's better, he's he's better like when Anne he does Patchett, that. Right? Yeah, yeah, or Ann Tyler or something. Like yes, really exactly. close reading uh, of people yeah. and situations and, and domestic interactions. Yeah, I think like he's much better at that. And it's just you write. You're like, this is just a a suburban family, yeah. and they're a suburban family with all this. But as as you read on, you find out that they're a suburban family with all these like repressed experiences that they're yeah. like, you know, they're trundling along, pretending to be um, as white as bread and as as clean as snow. But as as you go through, you realize they've got all this trauma in their in yeah, their exactly. lives that they're to push down mm. and it also it seems like it's given him an opportunity to like because it's set in the 70s and he has you know there's this culty religious uh past youth pastor who's right who's running this youth uh youth group sort of thing called crossroads which is which is a i'm sure is a real name of a youth, youth group. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um he, I feel like he's like get fi finally getting it because he. I think he the correction sort of came out and his other books came out right around the time that a lot of the books, uh, a lot of the, the type of the type of literary person he is was getting cancelled. You know, great white man of letters, the sort of like that type of writer was like starting starting to be really uncool. You know, and I think. I think he's really been really angry about that for a long time. <laughs> this book gives him a chance to sort of, I don't know, punch punch about that and swing some punches about that. But he's had a little bit more time to think about it. Um, anyway, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, I touched I, you, Mark. No, I was going to say, I think it's interesting what you said before about how great it is that he's, like, discovered these characters. And I think that that's like there's there's a certain almost joy that that comes from just the writing like you can you can almost tell how um how 
how involved in the writing process he was. Um, there's something that just kind of like jumps off the page about it and just is completely absorbing. Um, and yeah, the setting also really comes to life. Um, I was completely immersed in this novel and I loved it. Um, and yeah, I, I wasn't aware that he had said that he was going to do the next book set in the 90s. Um, I knew that he had mentioned that um, that this was going to be a trilogy, but I was taking that with a grain of salt because he also said at one point that this was going to be the last novel he ever wrote. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so my my information could be terrible, but that's what I that's what I heard about it, and that's only going in. Like I said, I haven't finished it, so I don't know that that, that could be nonsense. But yeah, inter very interesting. I uh, you know if if you've if you've ever read of Jonathan Franzen book before and then either found it disappointing or find the idea of going back into another one daunting or annoying or too literary or something. I, I just think this is just such a great re-entry into his books. It's really, really good. Yeah. So far. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Joel. Um, uh, we'll move on now to Zia. Zia, what are you reading and what are you liking about it? Hi. Um, okay. So I've three quarters of the way through one and only started the next one, but I usually go on, um, uh, like feelings, you know, when you feel like a certain genre and you're like, oh, I feel like this and I feel like that. Well, I felt like a good, um, but I'm reading Michelle Obama's autobiography, Becoming. Um, I've always, you know, I think it, you, First Lady, but I've never read any of the other political books. I am a poli-sci major from a very long time ago, so I'm interested in the in, um, in that vertical. So I was like, oh, I'm going to read this. I usually don't particularly like reading them but I was like I really like her um I've seen her on Ellen I'm, I'm gonna give it a go and everybody raved about it last year I'm always late to the party like I said I don't have time to read as much as I'd like to and I am really liking it I think it is so well written it is she's so relatable um as just a person and um I'm really liking it so um a lot of she's it's, she, she's a great writer. I know that, uh, that they're saying that she wrote a lot of it herself, so it's not like somebody, uh, you know. Though Barack Obama has served, uh, when he was criticised for taking so long to write his own memoir, first half of his memoir, he was criticised for that, and he said, well, I actually write my books. Yeah, funny. She... <laughs> specifically throwing shade at his wife. So... <laughs> oh, really? Wow, there you go. But uh, like, it's so well, look, it's really well written. Um, I don't know... Um, I haven't read his one, but um, he. one of the things that I really liked about it, to be honest, is that it really talks a lot about her as an individual, not his presidency and how, you know, the first half of the book is all about her childhood and growing up on South, in Southside Chicago and just the normal kind of poor upbringing she had. Um, and her parents were working class. She lived, you know, in in a in an area that, is now a ghetto and she was literally growing up in that area while it became and, and witnessed it become, they called it white flight um, in that area where more affluent and more, you know, um, um, well-off uh, white families would were left and it was just left to, to become a slum and um, how much she was involved and how ambitious she was and, and you know, she said, and how organized and methodical and she goes, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. This is, I planned my life. And then um, she she describes Barack Obama as like a whirlwind and he's so unorganised. He's the guy who just like leaves his stuff everywhere and, um, you know, would put newspapers and books. He's a 
big reader. He kind of talks to digest things where she's very, yep, yep, yep. And they're so different. And I really like that insight into there. And um, she's, she's funny. And now I'm just getting into the part where they they're running he's running for president right and one thing that i didn't know and i probably should have actually um she really didn't want him to run for president like this was like her big worst nightmare because mm. he was already you know a senator and and, and even before that he was just so unavailable and she goes how is this going to affect my family and how she 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 kind of uh, put it as like um that she she really admired him and knew what a great man he was and and how how uh, uh um so and she goes i would want that to be i would want that for my country so why would i kind of um um deny americans such a great president for my selfishness right because i think that is what a president should embody type thing um and uh she talked which was really kind of insightful and i just found it really really nice it's relatable it's it's an easy read and um it's quite inspiring really and it gives you a bit of and it doesn't talk too much about the complexities of american politics which i really like because that could be so confusing like swing states and all the actual the actual elections and how they work and that um so somebody who doesn't live in the us and is not really into politics would really be able to follow along as well whereas the other uh, i would probably say other books written about american politics sometimes just get really you're just like oh skip 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 because i don't understand it um yeah that's that's probably the one i'm reading and i'm almost done that one well it's probably like even though it, it came out i think before the kind of the glut of trump books did it's probably a nice antidote to to those at the moment as well because i've tried reading some of them and they're depressing yes super depressing yeah uh, it's a, yeah she's I, th I think it's a, a pretty amazing i mean it's such a bestseller um it's one of those books that people clearly connected with and i think yeah. you can't if you've read the book you can't <laughs> a lot of people keep saying you know she should run for president and stuff and like if you read yeah, that I know, book, right? you, you know that she would never do that <laughs> she like really disliked the entire process um, you know, she literally, I did not want this to happen. I did not, I do not like politics because of X, Y, and Z. So, um, yeah. and one of the things is that, and I think he writes this way, but they're just like, they, they are believers in hope, right? Faith and hope and, and, and for change and his slogan, right? And, um, and it's, 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 it gives you, gives you a little bit of happy feels about the, the kind of, the future of the world and that things, you know, are not as bad as you think. And there are people out there that are good that want the benefit and blah, blah, blah. And moving on, I was like, I'm going to kind of stick to that theme. Um, I picked up this book that's been sitting on my shelf for a while. It's um, A Political History of the World, 3,000 Years of War and Peace by Jonathan Holslag. Holslag? Holslag? I don't know. Um, so this one is probably, it's, it's history. It's a pretty much a history book, but focuses on conflict, war and peace, and history and how it relates with to conflict in um, um, in societies and empires and all that kind of things. And um, I'm I'm really fascinated uh, with that stuff because us as you like us in our generations we usually look back two generations you know or back you know my grandfather world war one world war two blah 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 and we get there there's always this whole like 
oh, the audacity of the world, we're going backwards, you know, the, the war and all this kind of stuff. But if you actually take a microscope and pull back, we've the world's really always been in conflict. Humans have always done that. And, and, and learning about history kind of makes you really have a different perspective on the state of the world as we know it now, that it's the safest it's ever been, you know, um, uh, uh, mortality rates and also... Um, uh, how wars are, are, are fought and, and how conflict and tension and, and alliances are forged and how, you know, you go, you know, th this society is about to be obliterated. Like I can sit here at the beginning of the book, they talked about all these empires and people that are actually have been obliterated, right? And and how it's just a, it's just life and history and this stuff is kind of normal where some of the stuff we we look at now and we go, when you look at it in small time, it's 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 really overwhelming, and you get really scared and, and depressed about it. But if you look at back, it's kind of been the the flow, the ebbs and flows of history and and, and of human existence, really. Um, from the um, let's say, when did they? This book covers, I think, from not the Industrial Revolution. Where is it? It says, oh, give me a sec. Yep, I can't find it now. But um, three thousand years, three thousand, three thousand. But it's from yeah, the so BC, presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thousand BC, and um, up to to yeah now, and then I think it, it gets to the to the end. I think is um, getting to China and the US and how the tensions and how the political powers, how they communicate and what it means, and when these things happen, this is usually what that means and that kind of stuff, which is quite insightful. And people who are interested in history and that kind of stuff would probably really enjoy it. I wouldn't say that it's a, it's written like a, the factual book. This happened, then this person said this, and this happened, and then what about this and this theory and this concept? And th that's how it's set out. So I wouldn't say this is a fun read, but it is a really, really cool, interesting, and um, um, read if you like this kind of stuff. Sorry, that is awesome. I like it. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to have a read. I like the idea of like exploring the patterns through history of why we go to war and why, you know, why we end up at peace as well. Yeah, um, and it tells you how many times we've done this, and it, and you know how the, the whole saying, you know, oh, history repeats itself. It does, but when you don't know about it, that's why it repeats itself. And if you know about it, you can, you know, you'd hope that there could be change in. Um, and it talks about technology. It talks about war methods. It talks about um, uh, you know neoliberal thought of of like the the how how life is important now. You know, every life matters, whereas 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago, not all life mattered. And just the thought of that, that concept is sometimes people overlook that, um, <clears throat> that kind of thing. So, yeah, all those all those points just give me – this is my happy reading at night. It gives me really weird dreams, I'll be honest. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, I, you know, I fight zombies and in wars and, and, and I speak to, to presidents and stuff in my dreams. It's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> What chapter of that book is about fighting zombies? No, because you know how I'm like all about zombies. So zombies yeah, yeah. always <laughs> mix anyway. that with politics and history and, and Obama and, and stuff. And I'm just, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Zia. I'm, I'm eager to read that one as well. I love a good broad world history uh, uh, narrative. Um, I was going to ask you some, because uh, a lot of books that I've read that are like that tend to kind of overemphasize the West. Is it a true kind of global history or does it have that kind of 
focus on on um on the west uh look i'm not that far into it to see how much is it, it is how leveled it is but um what i will say is it covers a lot of empires and areas that i've never even heard of and i'm act and i would say i'm not an expert in this field but i'm not a layman either so i would say it's pretty broad that it covers you know uh um it, it covers all, uh, the majority of the globe and how that all worked together i would say it doesn't focus on one area if that well, was your yes Th thank you so much for that, Zia. Um, and thank you, Joe and Joel, for um, all the books that you've talked about today. We have some light reading and some very heavy reading uh, to be getting on with there after all that. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining me. And thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen. You can find links to all of the books that we've spoken about today uh, in the show notes, or you can just head over to a little website we like to call booktopia.com.au. Have a look around for all of the books that are available. Um, sure, you'll find something that you'll like. You'll add it to your cart. You'll buy it helps us keep the podcast running and keep the business going and booktopia is just a great website and you should all check it out did i do a good job of selling the website well done. thank you <laughs> <laughs> excellent all right well thank you guys so much for joining me uh thanks to everybody uh, for listening and until next time never stop reading